0: This message is from the Axis Church, a redeemed community of missionaries living for the fame of the real Jesus. For more information about Jesus or the Axis vision in Nashville, go to theaxischurch.org. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 through 5, be encouraged and blessed by the reading of God's word to us. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you can be seated. I want to pray now for our time. I want to pray for all that's going on in Paris, Middle East, Belgium. I want to pray for my brother who is in Greece overseeing uh, Samaritan's Purse ministry to the refugees there in that area just right around the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. I want to pray, I want to pray for myself. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for myself because I'm a pastor I'm an elder. I'm going to be preaching about elders. I'm going to be preaching about pastors. It's awkward to do that, right? Um, I was talking to one of our own this morning, police officer for Metro, uh, Mr. Cody O'Quinn. I saw him. He was directing traffic on the other side of the Jefferson Bridge and uh, waved at him, held my horn. <laughs> Then got back into my lane, and uh, <laughs> um, he picked up the phone called me, and uh, he's like, man, I just want you to know, I'm at work today, I'm having to do this, or stepping up security, um, I, I want to be there, but I'm going to be praying for you, I can't, but I, I, I want to be there, I'm, I'm certainly going to be praying. I said, man, thank you, I said, be praying specifically for uh, the, the sermon, um, because it's just awkward. I said, it's kind of like you being an officer telling other people to respect officers, I said, you can do that, but it's a whole lot easier if there's a mayor encouraging the citizens of a particular city to respect the officers. Then the Lord spoke to me through him by saying, Jeremy, you do have a mayor that is telling you these things, and so you're not just sharing your ideas to promote yourself or shepherd yourself through a confession booth of the podium." He said, but you have someone who's speaking, you're just, you're just delivering the mail. And so this is what I stand before you upon is the word of God and, and not me. And so uh, pray for me and, and try to hear me as uh, addressing elders, but also as an elder, addressing elders as myself. And so it's complicated. Uh, hope, hope that makes sense. Um, uh, and just pray that I will say hard things to myself as well. Uh, that I wouldn't try to dodge anything, because it'd be super easy to do that. So pray for this along with me. Uh, Jesus, thank you for your radical faithfulness and persistence and determination, Uh, Lord, to bear with us and to love us and to equip us and to build us. Uh, Lord, to prepare us for the callings that you have in our lives. Lord, thank you for elders, for pastors, for deacons, Lord, thank you for partners in the local church. Thank you for friends and family that are here today. Lord, would you allow us to receive this word? And would I be able to preach freely, Lord, what it is that you've laid on my heart? And would you change anything that I don't need to say? And would you direct me in a way to follow you in in more obedience, and greater obedience through my words? Just help me. Um, And Lord, be with my brother as he's in Greece today. Um, Lord, help him as he's having to be tough and tender, broken broken and trying to bring healing to an area. Uh, Lord, help him in that strange dichotomy. Um, Lord, be with the brokenness of, of Europe or the brokenness of the world made evident in Paris and Belgium. Lord, uh, would you bring healing to that brokenness? Would you bring encouragement this morning to our brothers and our sisters Lord that, that we're going to spend eternity with, would you be with them today as they make much of you? Or would you be with them this week as they tell people about the hope that is in Jesus? Lord, would you save those who are persecuting people in the church? Would you give us modern-day Paul's who used to be persecutors, who are now the persecuted? Lord, change things that government can't change. Change things that money can't change. Lord, change the hearts of humanity to return back to our Father, to return back to you, please. Lord, may the gospel go forth in power in this room and around the world this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So we have this text here, uh, Peter is addressing the churches, telling them how Christianity and the church is going to be able, not just to get by by the skin of their teeth, but how the church is going to thrive. So in our, in our passage for today, Peter guides us through the, the type of shepherd leadership that is needed in the church to, to assure the survival of the church in trying times of persecution, marginalization, and ridicule. Peter also is guiding us into how to follow such leadership. So there's something for all of us in this room. Now, I remember being a boy, a young boy in the church, and I was a bit rowdy. I was a pastor's kid. And uh, as, as one of the pastor's kids, you were just an easy target, right? Um, if you didn't cover your mouth when you yawned, you heard about it at lunch because someone told your mom about it, right? Um, much less anything else that I did that was terrible, right? And my mom would get word of it. Every Sunday after church, we would eat and then I would get a spanking. Uh, it just happened, so like she'll be told. And even as like a, as an a older adolescent, as a teenager, um, I, I remember driving places and getting like traffic reports from my driving to my dad because they knew my car And if I ever spun a wheel out or if I followed someone too close or if I passed somebody perhaps too fast, he would hear about it. So I had to drive knowing that the eyes of the world were on me. Uh, A lot of pressure um, perhaps preparing me for what I'm doing. Um, Often I would hear through my childhood, I would hear the words of a sweet elderly lady as I would often be running away from her and away from her correction in fear because I was scared out of my mind. Like she would say, you know, you're supposed to respect your elders. And I just could never get away from that one, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for this. I know she's going to tell my mom about this. But this one time, I don't know what got into me. It wasn't like me to respond. It, it was just like me to receive. But this one time, I mean, I was, I was a fairly shy kid. But this one time, a spirit of boldness, right, selfish boldness took over me I had just, I had learned just enough of what an elder pastor was to be dangerous at this age. And so this one time I stopped and I walked back towards her and I said, you're not an elder, you're just an older, right? (laughs) 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 Uh, and I got a spanking within the hour. Um, yes, a lot. Yeah. It happened every Sunday. Um, got lots of stories, um, But I will say, as unique as my childhood was, perhaps, I was really thankful, mostly thankful for how my parents raised me. Today, we're going to be looking into not only what it looks like to respect your elders, the elders of the church, but also what respectable elders look like and how they are to elder or shepherd or pastor among you, to lead you. Okay? So look in verse one of... 1 Peter 5, and we're going to work through the text together. So I exhort the elders among you, all right? So as we learn in our equipped Bible studies on Tuesday mornings, whenever you see a therefore or a so, you need to establish context because he's building off of a previous thought, right? So in the previous passages in chapter 4, you talk about, he, he, he addresses the idea of suffering as a Christian, Suffering uh, for, for being associated with Jesus Christ. He, he, he unpacks what it looks like to submit to authorities for husbands and wives. How they're to live in submission with one another. Like how, how you're to submit to your bosses, your masters. So he's building off of this, concluding his letter, addressing a foundational element that's needed in the church if it's going to persevere persecution. If it's going to persevere ridicule and marginalization. And so he's addressing the elders. So I exhort, I'm calling you to action. Elders, I'm urging you. I'm exhorting the elders among you. Perhaps Peter felt the same tension that I feel as I teach this because he gives us a phrase here. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, as a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Now that word sufferings in the Greek is martyr. Someone who suffers to the point and willingness of martyrdom. I'm in this. I'm serious about this. And this is the only time the fellow elder term is used in the entire New Testament. He's using it to, to show his association with these men in these young churches. I understand what you're going through. I am one of you. I'm, 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 a, I'm a martyr facing Martyrdom. I'm a witness facing martyrdom of the sufferings of Christ. I'm I, as well, I'm a partaker. I'm a fellow partaker. I'm in. <laughs> and I can't wait for the glory that's going to be revealed. I'm longing with you. I'm anticipating the Lord's return with you. So he establishes that he knows where they're coming from and he is like them in, in, in the leadership of the church. Then he brings it back to what he was trying to say to begin with. So I exhort the elders among you. Here's what I'm exhorting you to do, urging you to do, calling you to action. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, taking care of it or exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly or better purposefully, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not making the flocks that are under your care your slaves. Not domineering over them. Not domineering over those who are in your charge because they are in your charge. They are under you in submission to you. But don't abuse that leadership position. Not domineering over those in your charge, but use that authority to be an example to the flock as you're leading with humility. Be a role model. And then it's as if his eyes shift from the elders and they shift upward to the heavens where he says, and when the chief shepherd appears and this grin gets all over his face, his heart starts racing, which is how we should consider the return of Christ. We don't fear that. Are you kidding me? We long for that day. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading. You will receive The unfading crown of glory, never losing its quality, never losing its beauty. Peter here is establishing context for his teaching of these men. He too is a participant in the sufferings of Christ. He too is looking forward for what God is going to do. A little leadership lesson from Peter here is is that he's not asking these men to do something he's not doing himself. He's in this with them. Do this with me. It's a beautiful principle of leadership. Here we have Peter's words specifically addressing the elders of the church. So before we move on, let's clarify what Peter means and what we believe elders are to be. The office of the elder in the local church is is to be held by God-called and biblically qualified men who seek to lead the church to the chief shepherd, to the senior pastor, Jesus Christ. Their role is to know and lead and feed and protect the flock of God that he has placed under their care. Now, when we say qualified, we're referring specifically to the 17 qualifications found in Titus chapter 1 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. In scripture, the word elder is synonymous with pastor and even bishop. Elder, pastor. Now, it's different from the term for deacon. Deacon speaks of servants who are called by the elders and deployed on specific tasks and missions within the church and through the church. The Axis Church family currently has four elders. I believe we have their picture for you to see on the screen. Elders Nate and Lee and Jacob and myself I'm top left, Jacob's top right, Nate is bottom left, Lee is bottom right. These are our elders of the Axis Church. This text is certainly for us, Jacob, Lee, and Nate, and myself. We're being preached to here. Also, anyone desiring to be an elder, praying through the call of eldership, this is for you the flock of God at the axis, the church family here, our partners, pray for your elders as they receive this word, even right now, over the next 20 minutes, that they would hear clearly what God is saying to us. Pray that I can talk and listen at the same time. Please pray that, because that's impossible otherwise. So listen to this, church, listen to this. Notice that Peter says for the elders to shepherd the flock of God. He didn't say shepherd your flock. Elders, it's good to point out this isn't yours. It's not your possession. It's his. Acts 20, 28 says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers So your position is granted by him to care for the church of God. It's not the church of Jeremy. It's not the church of any elder. It's the church of God, which he obtained, he purchased, he bought, he has possession of through his blood. It's not yours, Jeremy. It's not yours, Jacob. It's not yours, Nate. And it's not yours, Lee. Stop being silly if you think it is. The Holy Spirit owns his church through the blood of Jesus Christ it is his bride he says shepherd the flock of God it's not your flock but shepherd the flock of God that's among you not someone else's flock practically speaking you're to shepherd for the purposes of your people not for the purposes of podcasts and retweets and trying to brag about what you're doing as you beat up your flock to look really cool to other pastors. That's not what he's calling for you to do here, ever. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Now what's implied here is that there's a group of people who are gathering together under qualified leadership seeking to make much of Jesus and live lives on mission together. That's what's implied through this text. Now, what's also implied is there's a group of people who are participating in a structured, measurable form of organized church. Because there were those who were in the flock and those who were not. Shepherd the flock that is among you. The people. There's some sort of idea that you would know those people. Because you're you're not a shepherd if you don't know your sheep. So there's got to be a way of knowing, particularly, specifically, knowing these people that have been placed under your care. The elders are to shepherd their flock. So passages like this inform us of the need as well as the importance of membership within the local church. Now, I don't say that the Bible teaches membership. I say that we can gain from Scripture that it's implied It's implied that it's there. I'm not going to argue anybody over it being biblical for it, but I will say it's just implied and practically it's just helpful. It's helpful to know who you're on mission with. This is what we consider partnership. We consider membership partnership here at the Axis. And the reason why we call it partnership instead of membership is because detail matters and terminology matters, words matter. You see, I'm a member of Costco. My wife and I are members, but I rarely go to Costco. And when I go, I feel super awkward because I don't know what to do. I don't know when to do it. I don't know what card to show or what type of payment they receive. And I I had to learn the hard way that you're not supposed to throw your receipt away. Like these things, I just didn't know these things, okay? My wife goes in and she loves it. It's like she even knows where to go get free food in there, which blows my mind, right? She goes more often than I go. And I love it when she goes and she goes for me sort of right? Like I don't have to go because she can like get stuff for us. But partner and partnership implies a greater level of focused involvement, right? So this is why we love to consider partnership something that we don't just claim that we're a part of something like a member, but we're involved with something as a partner. We're active, we're knowing, we're known, we're missed when we're not there. That type of partnering together for the sake of God's glory as we live our lives on mission and living in the benefits of a community speaking into our lives and helping us fight the drift to foolishness like crazy. Multitude of counselors, there's safety. So we see the church in partnership helping us in this way. Anyway, so moving on. The under shepherds, the authorities, the, the, the elders authority, it's not original to who they are. You don't follow me because I'm Jeremy. You could be my friend, but you're not to follow me and submit to me just because of who I am. Rather, you submit to elders because of the authority is not their own. They minister only in the name of Christ, and they minister according to the word of God. That's an important distinction. So exercise oversight and care for as a faithful and obedient leader and shepherd and elder is what he's telling the elders to do. He's like, you be a shepherd. Elders, shepherd, don't drift towards irrelevance and silence as persecution begins to build, which is going to be easy to do, right? I mean, think about it. Marginalization, persecution comes. It's easy to just kind of follow back into the crowd and become irrelevant as a shepherd because you're just trying to hide and not get caught. But he's telling these elders, as much as you want to do that, you stand forward and you lead. You shepherd, don't you back down. You shepherd and you be faithful as you shepherd. Don't be a sheep. That's what's implied when he says, shepherd the flock that's among you. because they're ten- He's telling to tell them that because they, they don't drift to lead in persecution, they drift to be irrelevant. No, lead, feed, protect the flock. He gives kind of three categories here, three different ideas, telling them, the negative and the positive, okay? So he says first, don't lead, don't shepherd under compulsion, forced, but willingly. Serve and lead willingly. This honors God in his obedience. If the, if the community, if the Christian community is gonna thrive and survive in the face of social pressure, it's going to be as these overseers and these shepherds step forward to gather and protect and know and feed the flock. Secondly, he says, not for selfish or greedy gain, but eager to be of service to them. So the proper attitude of an elder is an eagerness to give and not a desire to get. And then thirdly, not domineering over them, but by being an example, by being role models to the flock, not flaunting your position, but using every opportunity to give the followers, the flock, an example. This echoes the teaching of Jesus that we have in Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28, where it reads, Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, lord their authority over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever will be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. See, elders, they're not to lord over the people, but rather their attitude must be an example for others in the community to follow. In a culture where status is cherished and authority is asserted to preserve honor, this call to humbly serve is a special and unique challenge. The elders especially should not draw back from shepherding the people. It's God's will that they lead the church and that they step forward to do so, even though it might make them a greater target for the persecution. And in leading this way, we have something marvelous to look forward to, the unfading crown of glory when the true shepherd, the chief shepherd, the senior pastor, Jesus, comes. Their victory is sure, not because of their effort in being the perfect pastor, but they'll be rewarded based on the appearing of Christ and his victory. So the victory they attain through perseverance is an everlasting and unfading glory. The image of a crown unfading contrast with the withering and the falling flowers of all human glory that you can gain apart from Christ, where you operate in the flesh for your own purposes and for your own glory. And to hear of the, the chief shepherd, the great shepherd, to hear of him would produce so much hope and joy and courage in the hearts of these early Christians. That The chief shepherd is the one who is to come. He is the risen Christ and he's gone into heaven. He's ruling at God's right hand and he's awaiting the call, the second call, to come to earth, to receive his bride that he has suffered and died and beaten death for. Great reason for hope. Now for the flock and even a portion for all of us in verse five, he says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the, old, to the elders. And then he addresses all of us here. Elders and flock, clothe yourselves, all of you, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So the elders must recognize the Christian followers, the flock among them, as sheep assigned by God To their care. And in a similar way, the believers, the flock, need to acknowledge that the elders are those that have been chosen by God to help lead them and protect them. Official elders of the church were naturally chosen from those who held seniority in the faith in this culture, which most often corresponded with physical age, but not always, but often. The Greek term for younger refers to those who are not elders, that is to say, anyone in the church who doesn't hold this office. So, now for some words for all of us flock, church family, be subject to your elders, submit to them, trust the Lord as they trust the Lord to lead you. Know that they will give account for you one day at the day of the Lord. And that they are somehow spiritually accountable and responsible by God for you and your well-being. In light of this, pray for them. In light of this, be easy to lead. Peter instructs that all his readers, whether elders, shepherds, or sheep, to clothe themselves in humility to one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The arrogance, the pride, whether it be by domineering under shepherds, elders, or by disrespectful sheep, evokes God's opposition. So the the challenge of mutual humility is especially great in a time of persecution and, and ridicule and marginalization because the consequences at stake may motivate elders to misuse their authority and to abuse their power. As things get tight, as things get uncomfortable, they could misuse their authority but it could also lead to the flock fearfully rebelling against the church leadership because it's really hard to trust in difficult times. It's hard to trust someone else. But God gives grace to those who are willing to humble themselves for the sake of Christ and his flock submitting to the government, the rule that he's placed over us in the church. He gives grace in this way allowing the church to survive and even thrive in times of persecution and scattering. He says to clothe, your, clothe yourself with humility. This is what it looks like to submit. How, how do you live amongst one another? How do you submit to your authorities? You clothe yourself in humility. Humility. Something that you work towards, something that you intentionally do. You see, our our hearts, our rebellious hearts, we don't drift towards humility. We don't drift towards joyful submission to spiritual authority. We drift to question everything. We drift to expect much more than what should be expected. Yet here, we are called to consciously, purposefully, and intentionally humble ourselves, to break our wills to follow our God-given authority. I mean, in in submitting to our elders, we're also, and mainly, submitting to God and his design and his purposes within the local church dynamic. But here's the wonderful news. There's great grace found in the Lord as we humble ourselves to be obedient to this task. Humility is at the heart of what it means to be Christian. It takes humility to live in community. There's no true way of existing and thriving for a long time in community without humility. Humility. It takes humility to to live under God-given authorities. It takes humility to use authority appropriately. It takes humility to trust God in the midst of suffering and confusing times. Humility is truly the way of wisdom. Even though it may look lowly and have a slave mentality in Greco-Roman world, he's calling for it. Humility is not a respected way of living today either. However, Peter's readers are to regard themselves not as citizens of their society and culture, but as visiting strangers, as resident aliens, as the scattered church who are to live by the standards not of that culture, but live by the standards of a different kingdom. Now, for some real talk As if that wasn't real, it's not what I mean. Some application talk. The elders of the Axis Church, Jacob, Lee, Nate, and myself, I pray that we seek to be very strong men with very tender hearts. Otherwise, we'll become jaded, cynical, or too sensitive and too tender. My prayer is that we will have calloused hands of care and that we'll have open arms of tenderness. I pray that our elders and elders around the world and future elders, that we love our families well and not at the expense of the church. I pray that our elders daily seek to follow Jesus in scripture and in prayer and they don't assume their pursuit of holiness and don't assume their righteousness in daily life, but they fight to become more and more like Jesus. That they don't assume the gospel, but they continue to process until they become wowed over the fact that they are loved by God through Christ. I pray that you fight to be qualified men, that we pursue these qualifications well, and we don't take this for granted nor assume it. Now, church family, please know that eldering and shepherding and pastoring, it's not a hobby for these elders. Eldering and shepherding and pastoring is a calling that elders are stuck with through thick and thin. They are reborn in Christ, but they're reborn with it. This is the calling on their life. Regardless of how good or successful others may think they are, they must do this with their lives and with their hearts. The elders of the Axis Church and elders will stand before God for your soul and for the souls of the churches that they're over. That is a frightening reality. They have to live their waking hours with this burden. They experience pleasant dreams of this, but often they have to suffer and endure nightmares over this weight. It's not easy, and it's never comfortable. Here is where we must be praying for our elders for endurance. We must be praying for our elders to be content in their calling as they live out difficulties in being obedient to lead this way and to love this way. If elders could be content and happy with not leading the church, they would absolutely. They would find anything else to do. And I remember when I told my dad I felt called to be a pastor at the age of twelve, he said, "Jeremy, if you could do anything else in life, you should go do that first. Like you, you, you don't just want this. You should try everything else before this." They love to come and participate, and not have to always be encumbered by the weight of leading other people's souls. It's a weighty thing. They love not to be the guys that always have to hear how they've let others down as they're trying their very best to lead with accuracy, humility, and holiness. They'd love to ride to church with their family. Wives of the elders, thank you. You deserve a magnificent trophy. They love not to have to be concerned with just how fragile their wives are by the time they limp into a church gathering because the soul-wrenching, physically exhausting difficulty of getting themselves ready and their children here on time and on top of that continue serving the entire time that they're here. They love to sit back and not worry and let someone else lead, to let someone else confront people on difficult issues. They'd much rather be apathetic and indifferent they would love to worship in song on a Sunday morning and hear the word of God preached without wondering if you're listening, without being in constant prayer that you would focus and hear, truly hear what God's saying and not just try to reason through according to your own knowledge. They love to be led by still waters and through green pastures, not having to worry about the rest of a flock without having to worry if they're going to have to tenderly love a goat or have to boldly fight off a vicious wolf. They would love that. They would much rather go that way, but by grace, they go the other way. By grace and through your prayers, they step into these things with power the very power and perseverance of God himself. They press painfully at times into their calling. They know, as enticing as it may sound, that they would never be content living for their own purposes. But they understand that their purpose is to help you find yours. So they endure. They don't thrive. Elders barely make it each day. But they make it. Not because of their own strength and not because of their own effort. They make it because the one who has called such men will do it. You'll probably never know the burden of what it's like to shepherd and to pastor. This is all the more reason to pray for shepherds and pastors and joyfully submit to them because you don't, you don't know the burden and the weight that's there. So pray for your elders. If you have family that are pastors, pray often for them. Pray for the pastors of Nashville, from every denomination. Pray for them. When you pass a church, pray for their pastors. When you think of the axis, pray for your pastors. Be a joy to lead. Honor them. Look, Look out for their wives and children. Just find ways of respecting them and honoring them. Find ways of encouraging your pastors and your elders. Go out of your way to make their life easier. I mean, they live their lives in a fishbowl with a red bullseye target on them. Not only from others, but also from the enemy. And the enemy loves to capitalize on brokenness. When most people sin, they hear of grace. Yet when pastors sin, so many people cry out for justice. So it makes it all the more convenient to hide and to pull away and to not try to live a transparent, transparent, vulnerable life, which is what it means to be a shepherd. A shepherd knows his flock. You're not a shepherd if you're not with the sheep. You smell like them. You hang out with them. You know them. Yet it's difficult to do this. I serve with some of the most self-aware men that I know. I serve with three other elders that are very aware of their sin. They're aware of their sin much more than you are. And they know that Jesus is okay with it. They're trying to learn the grace of Jesus as they apply the gospel to their shortcomings. But they sin. They know their sin. I sin. I know my sin. We know our sin. I know their sin. We share this with one another. We repent and we confess early and often with one another. They're some of the most repenting men that I know, only compared with other pastors that I'm in friendship with. The elders of the Axis, you need to know that Nate, Lee, and Jacob, they run to transparency at a sprinter's pace. They honestly do. This is a grace of the Lord Jesus upon our young little church, and we're to thank him for his faithfulness. And I pray for increased transparency, increased repentance, greater awareness of sin. Pray this for your pastors. Elders are to be examples to their flock as they follow the example of the chief shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. Jesus was willing to submit to the Father's plan even though he knew the cost. He was sent to us to live the perfect life for his haters, to die for the sins of those who despised him and ridiculed him and mocked him. He came to conquer death, to conquer sin, and defeat Satan for all those who would otherwise never know God as good and never know him as Lord and King. Jesus is a senior pastor. He's the one that we point to. He's the one that we lead others to. The elders aren't perfect at leading the church. There are no perfect pastors, there are no perfect structures. There are times that we don't do this well. I fail, and I have failed in this area. So, what do we do when we realize that that we have failed? We run to the man. We run to Jesus. We run to the perfect pastor, the perfect overseer of our souls. We must run to the one who will never disappoint us and place our hope there. We don't run to justify ourselves when we fail. We shouldn't run to to seek justice when others fail us. Rather, we should all take the road to the cross where we're truly justified by the work of Jesus Christ. So the big idea for the text and for our time this morning is as Peter, he's, he's addressing this to the early church, he's addressing this even to us with instructions regarding how to stand firm and persevere as the church in difficult times. The reality of the elder flock dynamic, the reality of being a part of the local church is without abundant humility, without lots of grace, and without Tons of forgiveness towards one another, we will at best be a cesspool of gossip and bitterness. And at worst, we wouldn't be a church anymore. This is why we continue to make such a big deal of Jesus. You see, Jesus Christ and His gospel, it informs and it empowers the forgiveness we must have towards one another, each other, even our elders. This is what we need to process. This is what we need to believe in order to thrive as a church family. Pastors will let you down. People of your church family will let you down. Jesus, he will never let you down. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you. Thank you to those who have continually dug to the depths of the gospel and dug deep within their own souls in order to humbly give grace in forgiving the elders and others in our church family as we've done our best at at leading and loving one another. The only way forward is with and through the gospel of Jesus Christ, not in your pastors being perfect and not in the church family, not being hypocrites, It's impossible for us not to be hypocrites. We are sinners. Yet we can repent early and often. And this is the joy that we have given to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see, when we fail, yet humbly pursue Jesus through that failure, we receive grace from God. When others fail us, my prayer is that we will reflect that grace as we all submit to God. So let's run to Jesus in humility, knowing that such people that run to him in humility receive grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Limitless. It's beautiful. It's magnificent. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we had this morning to receive this word, to hear this word. I pray that Lord, you would make helpful words stick and that you would make unhelpful words slide. Lord, um, allow our church to process these truths, not just today, but ongoing, and allow it to produce a greater level of health in the church, and Lord, to uh, work in such a way as to continue to allow us to persevere well. Lord, help us each take this seriously both those in leadership and and those who are the followers of that leadership, as we all ultimately follow you and your leadership. Lord, guide us in your truth and allow us to thrive in community with one another and understanding the dynamic of what it's like to have to follow, what it's like to have to lead, and that we would do it all with joy as we see how you lived your life with such a focus and determination to love others that didn't get it and love others that refused to be led and had resistance. So we know that you have enough wisdom and courage and strength to give to us. We ask for that. When it takes great courage to follow. It takes great courage to lead. I don't think either are possible without your help and your spirit. So, I ask you to do this work in the hearts of your people here at the Axis Church. Lord, thank you for the joy that it is to lead this church family. Lord, just continue to do a work, special work, in the life of this church for your glory and our joy and transformation and the salvation of people all around the world. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.